us. You know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we Desire. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. And you're listening to Wednesdays with Will, and I'm Will Addison. Glad to be here with you today. Uh, before I get started, just a couple of announcements. First of all, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at addisons at AFR.net. Addisons at AFR.net. Also, you can follow us on face- Facebook. You can subscribe to our channel, uh, Aaron Addison's on YouTube, and also follow us on Instagram. So if you are into those things, you can follow us there. You can watch the broadcast live on Facebook and also on YouTube if you would like to. And also, just a reminder that our Marriage Family Life Conference is coming up July 6th through the 8th. Um, and so if you haven't gotten your tickets, you still can get the tickets. Please remember uh, that it's coming up. And actually... We're going to be shutting down registration at some point soon. So I would advise you to um, get your tickets. Uh, You can go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. And I just can't say enough about the Marriage Family Life Conference. It's a great, great uh, event. And I'm not saying that because, you know, I'm I'm a part of it. But God has really done some amazing things over the years uh, concerning that conference. And uh, we have a great lineup of uh, speakers. If you go to marriagefamilylife.net, you can click on the speaker tab and you can see who the speakers are this year. Uh, we're expecting God to speak. We're expecting, uh, you know, just great things from the Lord from uh, during this conference. And like I always tell y'all, you know, I'm not a big conference person, but the Lord put this on our hearts and and he has grown this thing and, and uh, caused it to be what it is. And one thing I love about the conference is the the feel of it, the atmosphere. It's not stuffy. It feels like family. And we're there to encourage one another, uh, you know, uh, especially in the days and the times that we're living in, just to see the family of God. And, uh, and I'm talking about from all over the place, all over the place. Uh, all shades, you know, will be there. So praise God uh, for the body of Christ. And so today... I'm going to be speaking about something and we're going to talk about something that I've talked about a few times already on the show, but God is always impressing this upon my heart uh, for personal reasons, but also for his people. Uh, we are doing a study on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday evenings at my church um, on the book of Acts. And, you know, I was told by a friend that he was told by a Bible study leader that he don't really get into the book of Acts to teach it because it's too controversial. And I was pretty shocked by that statement from a Bible uh, study leader. The book of Acts is our history. It's the history of the church. I can point to the book of Acts and, and we can see what the Lord has done and given to his people. And it's amazing. Historically is amazing. 
but for the building up of the church, it's an amazing book. And um, you, you see the Holy Spirit working and moving all over in different places and, and how the church is being led and directed by Holy Spirit. But today I'm going to talk about Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. Now, see, that's a topic that can be controversial if you don't stick to Scripture. Um, it can be controversial if you don't stick to Scripture because you get into the weeds of, you know, saying things that is, uh, that's not right, that's not biblical. But we, we want to always stick to the Scripture when we're talking about any topic as it pertains to the Word of God. Um, and so the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, what does that mean? Well, that's two words that we're gonna look, we're gonna find uh, in the Book of Acts: agromatos and idiotis. <laughs> that's two words that appear in the Book of Acts. Agromatos is a Greek words, and idiotis. And we'll come back to those words a little later as we discuss. But Jesus was to his disciples for three years what the Holy Spirit is for every believer today. Jesus was to his disciples for those three years, what the Holy Spirit is for every believer today. They recognized him as the Son of God. He led them. He guided them, loved them, corrected them. He laughed with them. He was their leader. They were dependent on him. But let's think for a moment how Jesus was a comforter or a comfort and a helper for his disciples. And you see those same terms are used for Holy Spirit, comfort, or comforter, and helper. But how Jesus was a comfort and a help, helper uh, to his disciples. When they were hungry, when it was a hungry crowd, he provided the multitudes, with a few fish and loaves. When they thought that they were going to die at sea, remember that? He calmed the winds and the waves. He was helping them. He was a comfort. When taxes were needed, he provided what was needed for Peter and himself in a miraculous way. When Lazarus died, he provided resurrection as the resurrection and the life. When guidance and teaching was needed, he gave them the Sermon on the Mount, parables, told them of fulfilled prophecy. Jesus was a comfort and a helper for his disciples. When physical healing was needed, he showed them how to pray with faith and authority. He taught how to pray and fast. He was teaching all these things to his disciples. Three years as a helper and a comforter for his disciples. So imagine you for three years are following Jesus and he is uh, helping and teaching and correcting and rebuking and encouraging. For three years, you're following him, Jesus Christ in the flesh. Three years of seeing miracles, demons cast out being taught the kingdom of God, about the kingdom of God, 
having intimate fellowship together. But now he's saying he's about to go away. Can you imagine what they were feeling? Can you imagine what they were feeling after three years of being close and intimate with Jesus Christ? He said, look, I'm going away. Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. So he's telling them he's leaving. He's leaving them. And then we see the rightful responses. We see questions from Thomas and from uh, Philip. They have had to uh, been thrown for a loop. Imagine that. Three years. But he's like, I'm going away. The one that they have left all for and have come to depend on for everything is preparing them for his departure. So this is a solemn scene. Can you imagine the great fear and the great like uncertainty of their master saying, I'm going away? But to this, Jesus gives them this powerful assurance and promise. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Another helper. That he may be with you forever. <laughs> See, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. I know, I know I've been your helper. I've been your comfort. But I need to go away. But before I go, I'm going to ask the Father to give you another helper. That this helper may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will Live also. And in that day, you will know that I am in the, my Father, and you in me, and I in you. That's John chapter 14, verses 16 through 20. But then in John chapter 14, verse 26, it says, But the helper, again, Jesus has been their helper. He has walked with them. But now he's pointing them to the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit is always going to point back to Jesus. It's a divine unity. <laughs> but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So one of the things that Holy Spirit is named is the helper or comforter in Greek Parakletos. Parakletos. 
This word, by definition, it means one who is called to one's side, called to one's aid. So we have the Holy Spirit. He's leaving the. He's sending the Helper, who's one that will be called to the disciples' side as their aid. The Paracletos, one who pleads another's cause before a judge, a pleader, a counsel for defense, a legal assistant, an advocate, one who pleads another's case with one, an intercessor. In the widest sense, a helper, a a securer, an aider, assistant, the Holy Spirit destined to take the place of Christ with the apostles after his ascension to the Father to lead them to a deeper knowledge of the gospel truth and give them divine strength needed to, to enable them to undergo trials and persecutions on behalf of the divine kingdom. See, we don't understand this. We have been given God, the Holy Spirit, to dwell every single believer. We have help at every turn. But a lot of times, we desire to do things in our own flesh. We think we can figure things out when we have God, the Holy Spirit, indwelling us. And it's a shame. The Holy Spirit is a part of the perfectly unified Godhead. The Godhead exists in perfect order and submission. And there's no unity like that of the Godhead or the Trinity. One God and three persons. And we're going to continue to talk about being filled with the Spirit. I believe this is a important topic. It's one that people may shy away from, but we have to know that as followers of Christ, we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit and he fills us for service, for service. If we're going to have an impact on this world with all the things we talk about and see, we have to be filled with the Spirit of God. What does that mean? We're going to talk about it. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. And I'll be back right after this. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Won't you wrap me up inside your life? I know everything's gonna be alright. Let's believe this here gon' last for life. Uh, hey, yeah, Holy Spirit, come into my life. Uh, yeah. Won't you wrap me up inside your life? Whoa, whoa. I know everything's gon' be alright, right, right. Uh, best believe this here gon' last for life. Whoa, whoa. Make it this is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio Wednesdays with Will, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. What does that really mean? We have to take everything that we're talking about and we have to look at Scripture. It's our opinion about things and how our tradition does things, those things don't matter. But what does the Bible say? That, that should be what the, the question that we have concerning 
everything uh, that we talk about and, and, and endeavor to live by. But I was talking before about the, the perfect unity in the Godhead. The Father sent the Son and the Spirit and the Father and the Son. The Father sent the Son and the Spirit, and the Father and the Son sends the Spirit. John chapter 3, verse 16, Father sends the only begotten Son. But God so loved the world that he, that he sent his only begotten Son. So the Father sends the Son. The Father sends the Spirit in Jesus' name. John chapter 14, verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, uh, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. When the helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father. You see the perfect unity. That is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me. And both the Son and the Spirit proceeds from the Father. The Holy Spirit is subordinate to the Son. He comes in the place of the Son and speaks what he hears from the Son and glorifies the Son. How do I know this? Well, John chapter 16, verse 13, 14. But he, the spirit of truth, comes when he comes, he will guide you into the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. We find these answers within the, the scripture. <laughs> so I'm not making this stuff up. The son is subordinate to the father. How do I know that? John chapter 7, verse 16 through 18. So Jesus answered them and said, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from, from myself. Now, this is Jesus speaking about the father. He comes in the name of the Father. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. But he who, seek, who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true and there is no unrighteousness in him. John chapter 7, verse 16 through 18. Again, John chapter 7, verse 28 through 29. Then Jesus cried out in the temple, teaching and saying, Both you know me and know where I am from. And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. Jesus comes on behalf of the Father. The Holy Spirit comes on request of, of Jesus, of the Son, and is sent from the Father. It's all in the Word. John chapter 16, verse 14. Uh, the Spirit glorifies and is subordinate to the Son. He will glorify me, Jesus says. And he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. Jesus worked and taught under the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus worked and taught under the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. Then Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 19. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus. And he's quoting Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because I, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind 
is see this prophecy is being fulfilled in their hearing to set free those who are oppressed to pro- proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So Jesus Christ, he preached, did his work under the power of the Holy Spirit. There's perfect unity in the Godhead. There's no competition, no competing. There's perfect unity. And I just wanted to point that out. So what, what about what the Spirit does through ordinary men? That's us, ordinary men. Everybody listening to me, you're an ordinary person. But the Holy Spirit can empower you for service. So all through Scripture, Old Testament and New, the Spirit empowers, activate, and transform ordinary men. Remember when God gave the 70 elders to assist uh, Moses in Numbers chapter 11? The people were grumbling against Moses, and Moses, you know, he had headed up to here. He was like, man, I, these, you birthed these people, God. I can't give them meat to eat. I can't lead them. And so God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you what to do. I'm going to show you what to do. I'm going to take from the spirit that is upon you and put him on these leaders to help you. You're going to select leaders from, from the people and I'm going to put the same spirit on them. I'm going to put him on them so that they are able to help you. This was something that God had provided and it took Holy spirit to be able to empower these other leaders to be able to help Moses with this task of leading the people. They couldn't do it on their own. Same way with us. There may be some things that we're good at, some things that come naturally. Maybe we are natural leaders, but that's nothing like leading under the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. You may feel like, oh, I can do a good job by myself, and that's part of the problem. We need to be filled with the Spirit for service. I know of churches that have shied away from even talking about Holy Spirit. They don't even, I've met people that say, man, in our church coming up, we never even mentioned him. There's some church in that, churches that call the Holy Spirit it. It. No, he. A person. The person of the Holy Spirit. 1 Samuel chapter um, 10, verse 6, when it, when it spoke of King Saul, uh, it said, uh, then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. This is a, a, a Samuel speaking to Saul. The spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily and you shall prophesy with him and be changed into another man. The Holy Spirit is still changing people today. When they came to the hill there, this is 1 Samuel 10, 10. Behold, a group of prophets met him and the spirit of God came upon him mightily, speaking of Saul, so that he prophesied among them. This is the fulfillment of what Samuel told him. It came about when all who knew him previously saw that he prophesied now with the prophets, that the people said to one another, what has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul among the prophets? See, this is something that the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer. Now, this was the Old Testament uh, uh, thing that happened. So in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon a person, but he would leave. But the promise that we have in the New Testament from Jesus is that he won't only be with you, but will be in you. We are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Remember uh, in first Samuel, remember the, the spirit comes upon David. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, meaning anointed David 
in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose and went to Ramah. David was not going to just be king because he was some great guy. Because he was some great military leader and he can fight. And No, the spirit of the Lord had to be upon David to do the things that he was going to do. Remember when God was assembling the, the men under Gideon? The Bible says in Judges chapter 6, verse 34, 35. So the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. <laughs> and when you see the spirit of the Lord has come upon somebody or then the spirit of the Lord, there's an action that follows that. So here the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet. It wasn't that he just went out and said, look, y'all follow me. A matter of fact, it was a miracle that these people followed Gideon. But because of the spirit of the Lord being upon Gideon, when they heard that trumpet, these people assembled behind him. So the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet and the Abyssalites were called together to follow him. He sent messages throughout Manasseh and they also were called together to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher and Zebulun and Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. All these people came to follow him, not because he was some great military leader, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon him to lead. That is what drew the people to follow him. Speaking through Peter to the religious leaders after the healing of that beggar, remember that? God used Peter and John, to heal that beggar. And they want to know, man, what power you're coming in? Like, how are you doing this? And Peter spoke to them. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse uh, 8 through 12. Then Peter, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said. That's another filled with the Holy Spirit. And then an action after that. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. So it wasn't that Peter rehearsed his lines and, okay, when they bring me out, I know what I'm going to say. No, what Peter was saying was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which, which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. See, when you read this, you got to remember how Peter was before Pentecost, how all of the disciples were. They were scattered. They were afraid. Peter had denied the Lord three times. But now you have Peter filled with the Spirit, speaking to these, these same men who had Jesus up to be crucified, these same religious leaders, but now he's speaking to them in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. What changed? Well, Peter was filled with the Spirit. There's a difference in the Peter before this 
and then Peter after Pentecost. There's a difference. Now he's speaking to those same religious leaders with boldness. When the Holy Spirit come upon you, he will give you power. He will endue you with power to be what? My witnesses. My martyrs. Remember how the Holy Spirit spoke through Stephen, the first martyr. In Acts chapter 6, verse 10. It says, but they were unable, speaking about the people who were listening, who were uh, debating with Stephen and, 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 and trying to, like, talk him down. The Bible says, but they, those religious leaders, were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he, Stephen, was speaking. They were, they were not able to cope with the wisdom and the spirit in which Stephen was speaking. Therefore, they had to kill him. They couldn't, they, they, they couldn't do anything with the wisdom and the spirit in which he was speaking. When we are confronted by things today, are we speaking with the wisdom and the spirit of God? Do we call upon our own uh, intelligence, ingenuity, and able to string words together? Or are we leaning and depending on the Holy Spirit to help us in those moments when we need him to speak through us? This is a very real uh, gift and promise given to his people today. But because we've been so intellectualized and, and I know this and I can read this book and find this answer here. And I'm not against reading in books. I have a lot of them and read and read a lot and have read a lot. But man, nothing substitutes for the Holy Spirit actively working in the life of the believer. Acts chapter 7, verse 55. But being full of the Holy Spirit, talking about Stephen, there's an action that follows. Being full of the Holy Spirit, Stephen, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He wasn't seated. Jesus was standing at the right hand of God. Another one, remember how the Spirit worked through Philip in Samaria and in talking uh, to the Ethiopian eunuch, Acts chapter 8. Remember, it was the Spirit that was directing Philip. Go here. Do this. It was the angel of the Lord that was directing Philip and the Spirit. And even speaking to the Ethiopian eunuch. This, these were things that they, these men were directed and led by God. We should desire that same leading and being directed today. Man, I'm telling you that God has impressed this upon my heart. I know I speak about the Holy Spirit a lot because I believe that we do ourselves an injustice, a disservice when we don't pull upon that resource, the power of the Holy Spirit in our daily walk, in our daily lives. If you find it hard to live right, man, Holy Spirit would help you to live an overcoming life. If sin is, is binding you up, ask God each and every day, fill me with your spirit, Lord. Fill me for today. And he will do it. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, and I'll be back right after this. Have your way. 
This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio, Wednesdays with Will. I'm glad you're here with me. I know this is a, a little different. Wednesdays, usually a little different than our normal um, weekdays. Um, uh, I guess I tend to be preachy, but I can't help it. Uh, that's the way that I communicate. And I just really try to communicate what the Lord has placed on my heart. And today we've been talking about being filled with the Spirit and even the necessity for all of us as believers to be filled with the spirit. You know, that term has been given so many um, inappropriate, you know, definitions. You know, sometimes people feel like when you say filled with the spirit, it automatically means speaking tongues or automatically means this or that. Um, it's, it's, it's way more than that. Holy spirit is God and he does give gifts to his, his people. But he is not equal to his gifts. He gives gifts. Holy Spirit gives gifts as he will. And but being filled with the spirit for service each and every day is something that we as believers should pray that God will fill us each and every day. And we can look for it. We can look for those instances when we need that uh, power to work through us that 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 God would do it. We should expect it each and every day. Now, I want to look for the rest of the, the, the time I have here. Um the book of Acts, and we're going to look at Peter. Now, and I hope I can get you all of this. We'll take a look at Peter, especially in Acts chapter 4. Now, Acts chapter 4 picks up, and this is after God used Peter again and John to heal the lame beggar. We talked about this a little bit, but I want to go a little deeper in that. Uh, it was a, a notable miracle that occurred. It was a notable miracle that, so everybody knew this beggar. They 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 knew who he was, and they saw, man, this this was confirmed like, man, yeah, we know him. So this was a problem for the religious folks <laughs> because they were doing this in Jesus' name. So it was a problem for them because they were trying to, like, shut them up from speaking in Jesus' name. So it, it posed a problem for the religious folks of that day. So it was a notable miracle. Miracle had been confirmed, uh, and it put the religious leaders in a tough spot concerning the followers of the way. This miracle was also the springboard for a second sermon that Peter would speak. Now, while the newly healed man was clinging to Peter, Peter began to preach the gospel that would convict the hearts of those who heard. So you have this living example, this man who had just been healed. The Bible says that as he clung to Peter. <laughs> so Peter is there, he, you know, and this man not trying to get away. He's clinging to Peter. As he clung to, to Peter, Peter began to preach the gospel. See, these miracles and things that happen, they are an avenue and a, and a vehicle for the gospel to be preached. Not so that you can be on display. God is not, you know, concerned about you being displayed. It's all about him. And that's a lot of times why we don't see a lot of these things happening because it's about us. So this man is clinging to Peter, and you have this second sermon that, that Peter uh, gives in their hearing. You see, when a gospel is clearly given under the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, it will do one of two things. It will cause the, either cause the hearer's heart to be convicted and softened, or it will cause the disobedient heart to be hardened. And many people believed because of Peter's preaching and, and God using him. But the religious leaders were hardened in their unbelief. 
Acts chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. It says, As they were speaking to the people, the, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them. Being greatly disturbed, they, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So they were greatly disturbed by this. <laughs> and they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed. Again, like I said, some will be convicted and give their hearts to Christ. Some will be hardened by the truth. And the number of men, of the men came to be about 5,000. So, man, this is, this is big time. Things are happening. And so, remember, so Peter is speaking, and he's speaking boldly because he's filled with the Spirit. And you have to believe that Peter, maybe not in that moment, but I'm sure him and all the disciples remember what Jesus told them. When you look back at John chapter 16, verse 2. Jesus said they will, make a, a, an, they will make you an outcast. You will be an outcast from the synagogue. But an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think he is offering God service, or offering service to God. This is what was happening to Peter and those guys at that time in real time. I, I'm sure they remembered when Jesus told them, looking back at John chapter 16, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. And he will glorify me, for he will take of mine and disclose it to you. I'm sure when they thought about this, the words of Christ, because the Holy Spirit brought back the words of Christ to the disciples. That's what he does for us. I'm sure they remember Luke chapter 12, <laughs> verse 11 and 12. The Bible says, when they, Jesus said, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities. And this is what was happening. The Sadducees and the high priests and all these people had laid hands on them and put them in jail. But I'm sure they remembered when Jesus said, when they bring you before the synagogue and the rulers and authorities, do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. And that's exactly what happened to Peter in this moment. When the Bible says that Peter, full of the spirit, said. This is a fulfillment of what Jesus said will happen. In that moment, the Holy Spirit is going to give you what to say. Now we have Peter answering the religious leaders of the day. The same leaders, again, that had Jesus killed. The Bible says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them. And then he goes on. Rulers and elders of the people. We read that. If, you, if we are on trial for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has, has been made well, he is, he is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. So he lays it out, the gospel. It's because of Jesus. He's doing this under the power of the Holy Spirit is what I'm trying to say. This is a fulfillment of what Jesus told him would happen and told all of them. Don't be a word about it. 
Because at that hour, the Holy Spirit will give you what to say. This is a direct fulfillment of what Jesus told them would happen and how they would be empowered to respond. Think about where we are today. We talked about this yesterday on the show. Miki was very passionate about us having to stand for truth. We would not be able to stand for truth if we're not filled with the Spirit, if we're not asking God to give us that backbone that's needed in the time that we live in to stand. Why do we have so many flimsy Christians that can't stand under the pressure of what's happening in the culture? When they're interviewed, they fold. Why is that? Well, I would submit that we have to be full of the Spirit. We have to be walking in the Spirit. We answer these questions not because we're so smart or we have so so much courage on our own behalf, but because of the Holy Spirit that's within us that is, is, is urging us and giving us an unction to speak out boldly, even in the face of, of great danger. This is the time we, we are living in. And for us not to use what God has given us and for us not to uh, 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 call on the, the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to live in our day, man, we do ourselves a disservice. Peter did not just speak what was off the top of his head or something that he memorized. It was the Holy Spirit Spirit speaking through him. Peter, filled with the Spirit, said. So why do we think today we can do less, that we don't need Holy Spirit to speak through us? Why do we feel like we're, we're so educated today that we, we don't really need all of that? I got my book smarts. I've been to my seminary. I did this and that. And I'm not bashing those things again. But, man, there's no substitute for us as believers being led by Holy Spirit. I'm hope, I hope I'm making it plain. <sighs> then here it is. And so I mentioned two words in the beginning of the show. Agromatos and idios. Okay. So we're going to look at this. I, I just want to bring this point out, and this, this is it. Look at what was said of the apostles in verse 13 of chapter 4. The Bible says, now as they observed, this was the the Sadducees and the priests and the high priests, all these people, these religious leaders. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. So as they observed, the the Greek word there is parousia, confidence. They observed the confidence, parousia. So these men, in hearing the answers from the apostles, they observed like, man, remember what was said about Jesus? That he he, he does not speak like the, the scribes, but he spoke with authority. They're seeing that same thing in these apostles who were his followers. So they're taking notice. They're seeing the confidence. And then they recognize a couple other things. Agromatos. They were uneducated. And then lastly, idiotas. That sounds 
closely related, if you look at it, to idiot. Idiotis. But let's look at it. Parousia. The confidence that they had. This word means freedom in speaking. An unreservedness in speech. They spoke openly, frankly, without concealment. Man, this is what the Holy Spirit does. When you, when you hear people speaking, it's like, man, how are they able to stand for truth? Man, this is the Holy Spirit working through his people. Patasia, confidence, without being ambiguous, without the use of figures or comparisons. So these men were speaking in such a way that it was like clear. It was no beating around the bush. <laughs> And then you have the word agromatos, unlearned or illiterate. So they didn't have all the smarts like everybody else. I mean, they were considered to be illiterate and unlearned, these men. And then idiotis. In the New Testament, an unlearned, illiterate man uh, as opposed to the learned and educated. One who is unskilled in any art. Now I'm going to tell you, I do not consider myself to be a great communicator. I consider myself to be like these men. That's why I ask God, I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me for his service. Because I want these these types of results. You hear what I'm saying? I know I don't have all of the giftings. And there's some people some of my coworkers, my wife, she's gifted in communication. But we talk about this, that, man, we have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what we do. It can't be our giftings alone. My brother Abraham Hamilton, we talk about this. It's not just his ability, it's the smarts that he has. Praise God for that. But it's the Holy Spirit that works through us to speak boldly. These men were recognized as being unlearned and uneducated, but they were also recognized as having the confidence, the same type of confidence that Jesus Christ had. And so they recognized these men as having been with Jesus. That's how we should be today, y'all. We have the same Holy Spirit living inside of us. So in a practical sense, think about what you do, the work that you do. Do you do things as one being filled with the Spirit? That's the question. And look, don't be afraid to ask Holy Spirit, fill me for today. Fill me for today. Help me to do what God desires for me to do today. Help me to remember what Jesus has said. This is all available for all of us who are believers. Let's be led by the Spirit. Let's see the results of being led by the Spirit and filled with the Spirit in our communities, in our households, in our churches. This has been Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. We'll be back tomorrow. But until then, God bless.